Catapult Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapult Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Mental health, sales success, do they go hand in hand? We have a guest today, we're going to dive just into that. Now let me tell you a little bit about Jeff Reesley. Jeff is the founder of the Sales Health Alliance, which was created to empower salespeople and leaders to reach peak levels of sales performance and well-being through better mental health. Jeff Company aligns salespeople, sales leaders, health experts, and technology providers on building awareness around mental health within sales. Jeff, welcome to the Catapulting Commission. Excited to be here, Anthony. Always nice to kind of meet a fellow salesperson and leader that's uh, open to talking about this stuff and build awareness, build awareness around mental health and sales. You know, Jeff, I got to be honest with you, man. This couldn't hit home at a, at a better time than ever, not only for the audience, but for me personally, right? Mental health and sales, you know, it's they just talking about mental health in general, right? Some people don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not as embraced, right? Some people really kind of, is it, oh, you know, you hear like, oh, just get over it. Like, ah, oh, you'll be fine. Like push it through. But it, there's really some serious impacts. So before we dive, dive into that, give, give me a background on, on your sales experience, because you have, you, you, you have an impressive resume. So how'd you start into sales? And Following up with that, when did you realize mental health was an area for you to focus and build your business on? Yeah, so it was a bit of a kind of a bit of a journey to get here. So I've been in sales for about 11 years now, started in sort of the classic boiler room type of sales environment where it's being measured on whether or not I could make $200 a day, achieve two and a half hours of talk time, you weren't hitting your metrics, you let go very quickly. So very much that kind of sink or swim type of sales environment. And on the surface, I did really well from an individual contributor level, went on to win all sorts of cool incentives and all that kind of commission, big big commission checks, all that good stuff that we we like to relate to. But behind the scenes, I was not okay. I had really bad anxiety, insomnia, and the, I'd get these really nasty panic attacks in the middle of the night. And it was after the third panic attack that put me in the hospital when I started to realize that this is not good. This is not healthy. And I should probably start to figure out, you know, what's going on here. So First thing I did was I went to see my doctor. He prescribed me some anxiety medication, which I tried for two to three months, really hated how it made me feel. I felt like I lost touch with my intuition and my emotions, the things I was relying on to be a top performer. And going to therapy 10 years ago was still highly stigmatized. So I was at this kind of moment in my life where I'd found this career that I really enjoy, the rush you get when you close a big deal, the learning, the growth opportunities. But uh, if I wanted to stay in this career, I need to make a, figure out a way to make myself more mentally resilient. So I just started learning everything that I possibly could. What is mental health? How does the brain react under stress? What are the different things that I could be doing on a daily basis to make sure that I'm showing up my best self each day? And didn't really understand how important this was until fast forward to, to July of 2018. I just launched my first sales consulting website. Three days after I launched the website, I was like, entrepreneur life, here we go. And I was blindsided and diagnosed with testicular cancer. So life through this crazy, crazy curveball at me that I wasn't ready for. But it was through that experience where I realized the same strategies I was using to take care of my mental health and sales and actually started to execute on during this next stressful period of my life. And the more I started to reflect on this topic in my career, I realized like, look, anxiety in sales is not optional. It's really part of everyday life. And when salespeople and teams become depressed, anxious, or burnt out, the performance really starts to suffer. So all my work and kind of my passion for this is how do we shift the conversation on this topic and really position it as look salespeople are corporate athletes that need the pads and the helmets they need to play that contact sport every single day and use different strategies to optimize that mental performance and the mental side of sales that is totally neglected and overlooked by sales leaders and teams
man, peeling so much back. Highlight that, right? Catapults Commission's family, sales professionals are corporate athletes. And I, I love, I love that analogy. Um, I, I love what you shared about your journey, and, and kudos to you because I think it takes a lot of courage to say, "Hey, man, I'm going to." acknowledge and, and figure ways to improve mental health and and they're they're you know i've been around when there's stigmatized to have a therapist and, and catapult commission's family you've heard me share this on the show and if you've read the catapult commission's book you've heard me talk about it. i mean i've seen a therapist nearly four four and a half five years now um so i i man one i think it's incredibly brave to say okay i'm going to shift this and make this my life's work now when you say that the mental resilience of salespeople, right and 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 on I might. I want to add. I think that the salespeople and the sales leader fall into this category, right? Because stress in sales isn't isolated to just the sales rep, right? It works its way all the way up the food chain. How it's delivered, how it handles that—that's different. So, what was there a specific example or a specific story where the stress you were experiencing got the best of you? Like you, you were. You were, you know, I don't want to give you, don't give you an answer, but you, it was, it was the low of low where you're like, I'll never feel this again. Yeah, a good question. And I think a lot of it comes down to sort of those, you know, the underlying, um, underlying sensations that was, or emotions and feelings that were driving those panic attacks early on in my career. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of state salespeople don't realize is that at least for me, I, I showed up in sales and we face these really difficult emotions every single day, whether it's anger one second to maybe jealousy one second when we look at the leaderboard to pure joy and excitement when we book a demo where we close that deal. There's all of these really, really challenging emotions. And I know for myself, what happened was I'd get to the end of the day. I wouldn't even know what I was feeling. I would just start feeling this really big buzzing sensation of this uncomfortable feeling. And I'd want to avoid it. So I'd be partying, I'd be drinking, I'd be playing hours upon hours on video games, trying to run and escape these emotions. And it really comes down to the fact that a lot of salespeople have a low level of emotional literacy. So emotional literacy is you're able to identify and label the emotions that you're feeling and put it into words to not only describe and make sense to yourself, but also describe and communicate to the people around you. And when you have that low level of emotional literacy, all you can really start to label are really big, powerful emotions like anger, like anxiety, like fear. And you're left in this situation of that emotional roller coaster where you're ping ponging between these really high highs and these really low lows. And as a result, it's very, very uncomfortable. And to, to kind of like the way I talk about the mental health strategy that most sales, sales teams and organizations implement is having a fun drinking culture to navigate that, which is not healthy. And there's really strategic things that you can be doing, like working on your emotional literacy, that can help you understand, learn and grow from these challenging and uncomfortable experiences that are common and present within sales. You know, you're, you're, you're taking some of the challenges and saying, I'm gonna acknowledge and I'm gonna learn from this. And I think that that's incredibly profound. You know, sales people, we get hit with so much adversity throughout the day, right? Just just think of the, the typical day-to-day -day sales life, right? Making phone calls, prospecting, getting in front of people, adversity. You think of the typical day of a sales manager, sales leader, you're, you know, 
you, I always use a third, right? A third of your team is doing well. A third of your team hates their life. And a third of your team is looking for a job on Google. Like you're, you're, you're dealing with adversity in that, in that space as well. So to, to say, just embrace it and find, okay, I'm, I, I just, how you elaborate it is so, it is just telling on me uh, or is, is enlightening for me because it makes me feel, Jeff, all honesty, that I am not alone. Like I have felt isolated with this issue and you know is what are your thoughts here i'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on this specifically when it comes to mental health there is some thoughts out there about the leaderboard the stack rankings right we we see people who stack rank salespeople for everything right if you go to the archaic days of a whiteboard and everyone's in the boiler room i mean whose name was on the top who had a stupid little star how many calls you made now it's a digital, right? So I, I feel like there's sales managers that are sending emails on a daily basis. Here's how you rank amongst your peers. Here's how you rank amongst your peers. What are your thoughts on that for the mental health of the sales professional? So every piece of research in the last 30 to 40 years will tell you that having a leaderboard and in a team environment like this is probably one of the dumbest things that you could possibly do from an optimal performance standpoint. It makes zero sense to inject and take away things like psychological safety. So at a basic level, someone on the bottom of that dashboard, when they feel pushed to, let's say the exterior of their tribe, so their their sales team, on their, they feel like they're on the bottom and they're on the, on the exterior, their stress response will, will kick in, high levels of cortisol, adrenaline, things will start to flow through their system, which makes them unable to be creative, unable to problem solve, They'll only be thinking about themselves instead of instead of the the clients and the buyers that they're working with. That's one aspect of it. If you think about on a very micro level, um, I don't I don't know how many listeners know this, but every single second, our body is essentially capable of picking up about two million bits of information. So if we're talking right now, Anthony, you're probably not feeling your feet on the ground right now, in your socks and the shoes, feeling the floor. But now that I talked about it, your attention is directed down there and you, oh, yeah, those sensations are there. So a lot of what we perceive is getting cut out. We can only really consciously perceive about 126 bits of information every single second. So if you think about that, if some of that tiny sliver of information, that tiny little bit of information of what we're perceiving in the world around us is being directed towards what if I lose my job or what if, what is what if I, if I can't beat Sally or Johnny, who's ahead of me, what if my boss doesn't like me? All of these different things, these micro interactions are taking you away from directing that 126 bits of information into that sales call, into that email, delivering it as best as you possibly can. So having that take place is just one of the dumbest things on the planet that, that makes no sense from a, from a optimal performance standpoint. I can talk about this forever. There's both those researches talks about how the more you extrinsically motivate someone, the less intrinsically motivated that they become. That's why you're likely seeing a lot of this great resignation and salespeople taking a lot of sales sabbaticals because they're only motivated by extrinsic motivators. And now they're in a position where they're looking for more meaning and more purpose in their role, which isn't being found by these extrinsic motivators like leaderboards and commission checks and all that stuff that's common within sales. So we could talk about this all day, but leaderboards in general are just so counterproductive to every single thing that a human needs to perform. 
Oh, I, I love that. I love that. And I'm going to say it on air, Tara. We, we definitely need to highlight that because I think the truth about the leaderboards is, is I, 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 you know, forgive my French, but I think they're bullshit at times because I have seen what you just shared right there firsthand. You, you use the phrase psychological safety. As a sales manager, I have delivered leaderboards out to people only to find the person that was on the bottom of the leaderboard feels frustrated, feels stressed, and then says, Anthony, this literally puts me in a downward spiral. So now I have somebody who wasn't performing. They think they're going to lose their job. And now they're out underperforming, not feeling well. And then they come to me later and they, they want to leave the organization. And the old school mentality was like, oh, well, we're, you know, we'll just get somebody else. We'll get somebody else. We'll get somebody else. The great resignation says otherwise. <laughs> it is the hardest time to find talented salespeople in, in the world right now, right? The, the war for talent is at an all-time high. Um, and the managers who adapt, I believe, are going to be the most impactful moving forward. The, the managers and the companies that continue to beat this down are going to see problems, cultural issues, just repetitive cycles of revolving doors of sales reps. Because let's be honest here. Any person that's working in an organization, they know they're on the bottom, right? So like, what's, what's the purpose of having that person, of beating that person up? So let me give you a counter argument to that, Jeff. So let's just play devil's advocate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sort of build on what you said, because I think it's important. And I think sort of one of the more insidious things about, about, a leaderboard specifically within sales is it's wrapped around this kind of idea that it's a sales quote unquote team and that these people on the leaderboard are going to be cooperating and working together. And my example, I'm a huge sports guy. I love basketball. And my, the way I kind of phrase this to sort of the leaders and the clients that I work with is if you take the LA Lakers, for example, and you say LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, you have you each have to go out and score 25 points tonight or else we're going to trade you to a different team. What do you think will happen if you get to the fourth quarter of that game or the three minutes left and one of those players isn't at that 25 points per game? Are they going to make the right pass? Are they going to collaborate? Are they going to make that right decision to support the team and help that team win? Absolutely not, because that's what leaderboards do. It focuses on things that it takes a focus off of what's best for the company and what's best for the team to focus on what's best for me so that I can survive and be safe in my role. And so you have these sales leaders that are wondering, oh, why is my team you know, not, not motivated? Why are they not collaborating? Where's all this toxicity coming from? And it's coming from structural things like the leaderboard that are counterproductive to what we need to thrive and cooperate. Man, <laughs> Jeff, you you have no idea how much you're speaking my language right now, right? We we you know you know we've 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 met through you know we we met through the process of of, of appearing on on media together, and and so we haven't really dive into the personal background. But I do like hundred percent, man. This is like divine intervention. I love what you're saying, but let's let's just let's just humor me. Let's just go the devil's advocate, right? I am a sales manager. And I have people at the bottom of the leaderboard that I need to perform. They're not performing. How do I get that person to perform while respecting their mental health? Good question. So 
I think it's way easier. And I think what we've gotten in the habit of doing as sales managers and leaders is not stopping to ask why and find out why they're actually not underperforming. So if someone's underperforming, it's way easier to, well, let's draft up a spiff or let's draft up an incentive and use an extrinsic motivator to say, hey, let's get you motivated this way. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it doesn't under resolve the underlying issue of, oh, this person might be struggling with burnout or there's something else going on in their day-to-day life that's sort of impact. Maybe they're having a fight with their significant other or someone close to them just passed away and they're not opening up. So leaders that haven't aren't taking the time to pause and check in and actually say, hey, how are you feeling? Diving into what actually motivates that person. A good question you can use is, you weren't unmotivated all the time when you started at this company. There was a moment of time when you got this job and you were super excited to start working here and you were super motivated. What happened? What was that thing that was picking you up every day saying, I can't believe I just got a job at X company. I'm so excited to go start working for them. What was that motivator? Like, What was that driving force that has now been lost behind burnout, declining mental health, which is shifting that perspective. So that's one thing. The other thing is if you, a sales leader hasn't put in the time to build that trust where that person is, when that when you go to check in on that person and you they've built that trust to uncover that sort of more sensitive, more emotional kind of answer, they're not gonna tell you what it is because what happens within sales is what's, there's what's called a vulnerability paradox. And if I were to ask you or anyone on this call, how likely are you to be vulnerable, vulnerable with someone who's judging your performance every single day? And 99% of the time was, will, will be, I'm not gonna be vulnerable with that person at all. Like, I don't want them to know what I'm going through. So unless that leader has invested the time, put in those micro actions where they're building trust by opening up themselves, sharing their own stories, it's going to be very, very hard for them to uncover why that person is unmotivated. And that frustration is going to lead to beliefs that this person is not cut out for sales. There's something wrong with the rep. We got to get rid of them as opposed to, no, like we're just not connecting with that underlying motivation and refueling on that bigger, that, that deeper purpose that helps them get motivated on a daily basis. You know, I like what you said there and in that, that whole, that, that whole discovery process of finding out what, what is their true internal motivator and having that process that is built on a relationship of trust, like one, 100%. And, and, you know, trust is earned, right? Trust is, trust is, trust is earned over time, right? Trust is earned depending on who you are. Sometimes you trust somebody too easily. But you can lose trust in a fraction of a second. Like it doesn't take a lot to lose trust, and to regain trust is incredibly challenging. So that that relationship between your sales team and the sales manager, when you have it built on trust, yeah, I could see how having those conversations. You know, I, I've I used to make an an, uh, an analogy or or a suggestion to say, hey, if you're the sales leader and your bottom ten performers struggled. If you just penciled 30 minutes and you're you're the sales leader or the sales VP or or the high the high person in charge and you made a three minute phone call to each person and say, Hey man, I'm just reaching out, I got a few minutes. How are you feeling? Talk to me, what's going on? That simple three minute phone call could take one of those people who are performing, underperforming that month, that quarter, that year, and be like, Hey man, I'm valued here. Somebody cares. I'm part of a team. I'm going to contribute. I'm going to I'm going to get remotivated. I'm going to get reengaged. 
But many times it's, you know, the whole 80-20 rule. 80% of my revenue comes from 20% of my performers. I'm a sales manager. I'm going to focus on the top 20%. They're going to get all my attention. And the rest of you, well, screw you. I can replace you. Um, and we're seeing that, the impacts of that over years of conditioning. It's like the old bullshit sales phrase of always be closing. Like, get, get out of here, dude. I mean, the, 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 the high-pressure, hardcore sales doesn't isn't relevant with today's consumer. And the style of management that was relevant then isn't relevant with today's sales rep. So I, I like how you mentioned that um, in finding what truly motivated people to get to get to that motivation. Do you do or recommend some checkups along the way? Because there's, you know, it's, I feel like we respond, not even respond because that's the wrong word. I feel like we react to sales boards to get information and we haven't put in that sweat equity. So how do you recommend we build that trust building so someone, so I can culture um, a relationship of, of, of trust that does focus on the mental health, mental well-being, while understanding the responsibilities of, of my role is to generate revenue? Yeah, so I think uh, a couple things. Um, first, I think it's really, really important, 100% par for the, like, must happen no matter what, is sales leaders have to be open and more vulnerable with how they're, how they're feeling. So I've yet to meet a salesperson or a sales leader that hasn't struggled with their mental health at some point during their sales career, whether that's one sleepless night or one time when they felt stressed. Talk about that experience more frequently. On days when you haven't slept or something happened at home, Start your meetings by saying, hey, just so you all know, I didn't get a great sleep last night. If I don't respond to your 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 email or your Slack as quickly as possible, or maybe I'm short with you, just know it's not you. This has been going on in my own, my, in my own personal life. I just want you to know that like having conversations like that to help kind of help people edu- educating the team that they're open to talking about how they're feeling as opposed to positioning themselves as this hardened perfectionist. Because... There's not a single person on this planet that wants to have a vulnerable conversation with someone who's judgmental and is a perfectionist. Like we're human. Everyone has their own kind of mistake, makes mistakes and has their own kind of weak spots. Let's talk about those. I think the other thing as well is one of the the big mistakes that we make in sales is a lot of sales teams and leaders misdefine mental health as mental illness. Mental health defined is a spectrum of well-being that we all fluctuate along based on what's happening in our internal environments, like our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, as well as our external environment, like the deals following through, the people we interact with, the buyers or colleagues, what have you. So what that means is it's very similar to physical health. There's going to be people thriving. There's going to be people that are in the middle kind of coping and struggling. And then there's going to be people who are unwell. And right now, a lot of people perceive mental health as mental illness or those people that are really unwell, as opposed to that spectrum of well-being that we're all fluctuating along. So it's in your best interest as a sales leader to have more conversations to your point to say, hey, how are you doing to get constant pulses of where they are? Maybe if they were thriving and then now they're maybe coping or struggling, catching that and having conversations and resolving those issues, getting to the root cause of what's causing that kind of decline as opposed to waiting until they're mentally ill, very burnt out, and have no hope of performing on a daily basis. So you're absolutely right. It's very, very important to have processes built in, to have these check-ins, to talk about your rep, to talk to your reps, to see how they're doing on a regular basis, because it all connects back to mental health and that spectrum of well-being similar to physical health. You're not going to play basketball well if you have a twisted ankle or a pulled muscle or at the very worst case, a broken ankle. Man, 
I, you know, it reminds me of something that that fun fact. I did not realize I was uh, dealing with or addressing people's mental health when I had when I did this. But what I did when every time I would do a field ride with somebody who worked for me. I'd get in their car, right? And these are typically two or three days to get in your car. We're going to go travel, visit your prospects. I had employees for years. I did this. Everybody would, like, they would be shocked no matter how many times I did it. Hey, how are you feeling? Talk to me about your job satisfaction. That was, that was, that was my opener in the car. Not who are we visiting? Not how are we prospecting? What deals are we closing? How is, how are you feeling? And that always let people have this just true vulnerable conversation. It's you and me one-on-one in the car for the next eight hours. And that was how the conversation went. In in doing that, I have found that it, you know, I, I don't want to say I was the greatest manager ever, but I do say that I definitely found times for people where I'm like, man, this person, you know, right now, they don't they don't need to be out prospecting. Their, their head is so overwhelmed by things. It's like, hey man, you know what? Let's go sit down and have some coffee. Or let's 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 take a pause, man. Let's 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 go for a walk. Let's just talk about life. Let, you know, how's your family? And in doing that, it was a trust building exercise. So I, I love what you said there, and just having that. And it wasn't, in, in, and by no means am I a guru. It wasn't intentional, but I just always felt that the way the reason I did it was if I knew how someone's job satisfaction was, I knew everything else. Like if I knew if they were happy with the job, then I knew things were going well. If they told me they a lie, they were happy with the job, or if they were unhappy with the job, I knew that they were, they weren't receiving something from me. Whether it was the company, I represented the company. I represented the organization, so I was the face. You're not receiving something from me, and I need to figure out what that is and, and how to address that. In in, in doing having, but to your point, it's like I think that's part of like what sales leaders really need to embrace is whether you're a seller or whether you're a sales leader. Like your job, first job, is not to hit those targets yourself. Like that is not number one priority, number one priority is to serve the people that you are leading. How are you serving them? And in, in those micro conversations that you were having, you were in a position where you were trying to serve and help them and, and make their space in that car ride more enjoyable. So it's not surprising that that was a highly effective strategy because people are not stupid. They have intuitions that pick up on, is this a safe space or not a safe space? And when they're talking with someone who's really leaning in to try to get to know them and be empathetic and compassionate to their situations. That makes a huge difference to their performance down the road. Man, I love it. I love it. And, and you know, I wish, I wish more executives and organizations understood this message because truth be told in, in my career and in, in, as a corporate sales leader, I mean, I, I borderline got ran out because I refused to do certain archaic styles of leadership where I was just like, this is, this isn't me. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pat the back of the corporate leadership team because I want to do things in an archaic manner. I truly believe in people first, people over profits. I ran my entire near twenty year career in corporate America in that fashion, um, and yeah, I mean sometimes it worked out. Sometimes you know I was the odd man out, and I, I never, I never, I never backed down. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is this is how I lead, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build some, I'm gonna build a lifelong trusting relationship with somebody. To because I wanted to get the better good for my people, whether it was with my company or not, and you know that's a whole other conversation. But what what I want to ask Jeff is, there's two parts to, to to mental health in sales specifically, right? One, the environment you put yourself in, which is what we talked about a little bit, right? The, the sales leader, the sales management, even the organization. Um, I would even argue that if you're in a position where your mental health isn't being being 
cared for properly and you're a sales rep, right, then leave. Like, it's not hard to find another place where someone will take care of you. Like, it's the biggest fear we have. I, pr- I promise you, you'll be okay and leave. But the second part to mental health, and here's what I want your take on. What can I do to help improve my own mental health, right? Because sales is stressful. Like, no, no matter how we cookie cutter it, it is, it is, it is stress. There's, there's a stressful component to it, whether it's stress from the company or if I'm a salespreneur, meaning all my income comes from commission, you know, I mean, Jeff, I have a wife and three kids, right? I'm, hey, man, these, this, and two dogs, right? These four kids and two dogs rely on me for food, water, shelter, <laughs> the, everything. So if I don't sell something, I already feel stressed. What can I do to protect myself? Low, big question. I was going to say loaded question, but I think it's better to say just like big question because that is essentially what I sort of talk about, what I share with people all the time. Um, I think, at a, again, we could talk about this forever and kind of go through every kind of toolkit that I share in kind of my programs and what I write, write about. But I think there would be, I guess, a couple key things. Number one is becoming more aware of what declining mental health feels like in your own in your own self. So thinking about it from that kind of mental health spectrum standpoint, you need to be aware of how you're showing up each day. And on those days when you might not be feeling great, where you're in the middle or closer to the bottom, or even when you're at the top, your mood follows your behavior. So you need to be thinking about actions that you can be taking on a daily basis that will shift you closer to that position where you're thriving, as opposed to waiting until you're in that place where you're really struggling and you're really burnt out. Um, to do that, there's a lot of, there's essentially four buckets that you want to be aware of, which are changes to your thinking. So those will usually start with intrusive thoughts that start with the statement, what if, what if I'm not good at sales? What if I mess up this call? What if X, Y, and Z goes poorly? That's kind of what you want to keep aware of the changes to your thinking. Then there's emotion, the emotional bucket changes to what you're feeling emotionally. Third bucket is changes to what you're feeling physically. So for me, I get these really nasty sweats in the middle of the night. I get this pain in the upper right side of my stomach. Your changes physically are going to be different. So what does that look like? And the fourth bucket is what are changes to the types of behaviors and habits you're doing? Do you stay in bed longer? Do you go for an extra smoke? Do you have a couple extra drinks after work? Do you play hours of video games? Do you party? What are some of those bad habits? Overeat? And what are some of those bad habits that you use? And you can essentially get a pulse of where you fall in that mental health spectrum by saying, by looking at what's the intensity, the frequency, and the duration of all of these different things. So for example, if you play, if you go out and get super drunk one night, that's a very high intensity event. But if it only happens once every six months, the frequency and the duration are all really low. So you're probably should look into why that's happening. But at the same time, we all like to have fun sometimes. If you're showing up and you're angry all of the time or you're drinking heavily all of the time, the intensity, the frequency, and the duration are all really, really high, which is a sign that you've moved down that mental health spectrum at a point where you need to start having conversations, exploring what's going on here. Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Maybe talking to a therapist, reaching out to a doctor. So the awareness piece is absolutely huge. Second thing I would say is salespeople are just notoriously bad at enforcing really strong boundaries with work. And all of the research and the data that I've uncovered and done is when you have strong boundaries with work, it actually leads to better performance, way better performance, like almost three times better performance over time, which is crazy to think about. 
And that's because you're allowing your body to offload stress on a daily basis, as opposed to what 95% of salespeople do today, which is they try to offload stress all at once. They burn, they work themselves down to the bone for three months or six months. And then they try and offload it all at once in a two week vacation or Christmas vacation or what have you. And what they don't realize is during that time when you were grinding to that vacation, three months, six months out, you're moving down that mental health spectrum and your performance is getting worse and worse and worse as opposed to enforcing strong boundaries and offloading that stress on a daily basis by doing basic things like eating right, doing a meditation, going to sleep at a good time, basic, basic things that will help you recover from the stress that you're putting your body through every single day. Hmm. Catapult to commissions family. If you are not taking care of yourself, right? If you're not taking that opportunity to break down some of the things that Jeff did, I mean, help yourself. You have one life to live. You have one you. And I think a best version of you is the internal best version of you to get the external better of you. And um, Jeff, man, I, I appreciate I appreciate that coming on the show and sharing that. You know, I, I saw, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, real quick, high second, you know, high high level overview, Sales Health Alliance, right? So, um, you know, what can someone do to learn more about the Sales Health Alliance? What can someone do to learn more about working with you? Uh, yeah, can you just give us a little, uh, you know, your highlights on on that story? Yeah, so Sales Health Alliance have built it to be a resource first and a business second. So if you just go to saleshealthalliance.com, you'll find, I think, almost 150 pieces of content, articles, videos, podcasts like this, things that I've done to help build awareness, but also provide really tactical things that you can start doing as this open resource to and, and super accessible resource. So check it out. If you wanted to kind of work as work with myself, what I typically do is I work with organizations building out sort of multi-week programs where we start looking at mental health from, from the lens of some of the stuff that we talked about today and different things around how do you use stress to your advantage within sales? How do you manage your stress? How do you kind of become more resilient on a daily basis? Different things that you can change within your mindset. And these are programs that I lead live virtually with uh, with teams. So if you're interested, you can send me an email at jeff at saleshealthalliance.com or just use the contact us form or connect with me on LinkedIn. It all it all works and we can. Catapult to commissions family, do me a favor. Go get connected with Jeff. You'll have his LinkedIn profile in the show notes below. Uh, he has, I'm looking here, you have a guide to better mental health and sales you have a couple free resources on here. I've downloaded a few of them myself, Catapult Commissions Family. Get get connected because at the end of the day, you know, I do this show because I want to bring valuable guests like Jeff, Jeff on. 140 episodes. I've never had a guest come on the show yet to talk specifically about mental health and sales. And this is, you know, if I can make this a two-part, four-part episode, I will. Jeff, I'd love to bring you back down the road. Are you open to coming back on the show and diving deeper in some some mental health for sales? Yeah, definitely open to it for sure. Um, because when I started this, it was, you know, who's this crazy person talking about mental health and sales. But I think um, we're now at a point where a lot of leaders and organizations are really leaning into the conversation, which is really exciting to see. I think it, I think you're only going to grow, my friend, 100%. I think we need to hear more about it. Um, Jeff Reesley, sales, we sales people, we have to figure this thing out, get it, uh, get a grip on it, take advantage of it do me a favor, improve your mental health. Um, is there any other resources they can find you? Uh, Jeff, uh, I'm sorry, I'm butchering myself here. Uh, 
found you on LinkedIn website, saleshealthalliance.com. Is that what it is? Uh, saleshealthalliance.com and the book, the guide that you talked about, really easy guide um, to help having start learning about more, how to have more frequent conversations on mental health. It's only 15 bucks. So super accessible. So check that out too. It's a good one. Catapult to Commissions family is the best 15 bucks you'll have ever spent. Tanya, I read a snippet. I'm going to buy the full thing here as soon as I get off the air. Do me a favor, follow, like, subscribe, and connect, and we will see you next week.